Hello, everyone, and welcome to the All Things Gymnastics Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Bueller, alongside my co-host and twin sister, Brittany. Hey, guys. So today's episode is all about our thoughts and recommendations for some of the gymnastics-related books that are out there. If you're in the same boat as we are, then many of you may still be stuck at home, and we thought, what better time to check out some new gymnastics books than while stuck in quarantine? You guys are going to want to make sure that you stick around until the end of today's episode because we have a special interview with Abigail Pesta, who is the author of the book The Girls, and that's a book that tells the stories of 25 of Larry Nassar's survivors and talks about some of the key institutions and people who helped enable him. It's one of our favorite books, so make sure you guys stay till the very end to hear that interview. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. The first book that we want to talk about today is the book Off Balance by Dominic Bosciano, and we rated this book five out of five stars. And what I liked about this book was that it was really detailed. I feel like Dominique gave a lot of examples, a lot of behind the scenes stories that many readers didn't know about really until she shared and opened up in her book. And she really was one of the first gymnasts to sort of speak out against not only the Corollis, but also USA Gymnastics and the culture of USA Gymnastics. Not many gymnasts at that time the book came out were doing that. Mm -hmm. I think Jennifer Say was one of the few that came before her. Jennifer's book came out in 2008, which we'll talk about that in a moment. But yeah, other than Jennifer, I think Dominique was one of the first to share her story in a book format, which was really cool. Yeah. Her story talked a lot about, obviously, the Crowleys and their abuse and how they treated her. Also, her parents. She had a really, really rocky relationship, especially with her father, who was similar to Bella Crowley, what it sounds like. Yeah, very tough and controlling. Yes. Um, yeah, she shares a lot of crazy stories in her book about her dad, you know, almost, like, stalking her like when she got older, obviously. And yeah, she had to emancipate from her father. That's kind of how things ended for them. Yeah. Really rough relationship, so she does talk a lot about that. And also, her long-lost sister. That's kind of a unique story that she had a sister that she didn't even know. Her mom was apparently pregnant when Dominique was young. And she was so focused on gymnastics, she didn't even realize her mom was pregnant. Yeah. So that's really crazy, and I think that's what makes this book different, is that it's not just about gymnastics, it's about her personal life as well. Yeah, and that's why I think this book is good for anyone to read. I mean, of course, if you're a gymnastics fan, it's definitely something you should read, but even if you're not into gymnastics, her story is just so different, and... There's so many ups and downs to yeah, her story. Yeah, it really is a crazy story from, you know, her being a top high-level athlete, one of the best of her time, to, you know, having to emancipate from her parents and do it from a very young age, and also the whole story with her sister and how she found out she had a sister. It's just really, really interesting. So we definitely recommend that for any person, gymnastics fan or not. So we mentioned Jennifer Say in her book Chalked Up, and we actually rated that a 5 out of 5 as well, because it's another really good, strongly written gymnastics book that sheds a lot of light into a different side of the sport, a more abusive side of the sport. This book was written in 2008, I think it came out shortly before the 2008 Olympics, so at that time there wasn't a whole lot of discussion about you know, abuse, abusive coaches, the abusive culture of the sport, eating disorders, all that. There wasn't a whole lot of discussion about that. And Jennifer's book really kind of opened the gates for that conversation to be started. And she talks a lot in her book about the things that she went through, the highs and the lows to get to where she did. She ended up becoming the national champion in 1986. 
And she dealt with a lot of injuries. She trained with Bill and Donna Strauss, who, of course, are the coaches at Parquets, and they're still coaching. She talks about how they were demeaning, they were body shaming athletes, making girls train while injured, and how she felt that their coaching tactics contributed to the eating disorders that she struggled with throughout her whole entire career. And I think it's interesting because Jennifer's kind of a perfectionist, and you can definitely see that in the book. Yeah, She really strives to be the best and is willing to do whatever it takes to be the best. And It really puts you in the mindset of an elite athlete, especially not even just for that time, but I think just in general. It really sheds light on how driven these athletes are and how they're willing to put up with any sort of treatment to mm-hmm. get to where they want to go. I mean, she fully believes that the Strausses were who were going to bring her to the top. And in a sense, they did, because she did go on to win a national championship, like you said, but at what cost? Mm -hmm. She talks a lot about that. Yep. And this book did receive a lot of backlash from the whole gymnastics community, including some of her former teammates at Parquets. But again, like we said, this is kind of, you know, a time in the sport when this came out where it wasn't... It was a taboo topic, kind of. It wasn't something that people were talking about. And nowadays, this is a good thing, but nowadays... Girls feel like they can talk about things and they're supported and it's they're believed for the most part. Back then, it was kind of a different story. So I give Jennifer a lot of props for having the courage to write this book and for sharing her story and opening up a new conversation in the sport. Yeah, I definitely feel like she was a pioneer for change in the sport. So a lot of people, at least myself, I view her that way and I hope that you read her book and view it that way as well. I do think it's a great book. Next, I want to talk about some of what I like to call the post-Olympic books, because it seems like after every Olympics, a few of the top, or at least one of the top U.S. girls, will write a book about the Olympic experience and her journey leading up to that point, which is totally cool, but the books usually come out like a couple months after the Olympics. Which is way too short of a time frame for them (laughs) to actually write the book themselves, hint, hint. Yeah, and I think... Red (laughs) flag. I think you can tell, too, which is why I'm hesitant to give some of these books anything higher than a 2 out of 5. So the ones that really come to mind for me is Gabby Douglas wrote a book called Grace, Gold, and Glory. And Lori's book I actually just read again for only the second time. Usually I read gymnastics books more than more than just two times, but I haven't really felt the need to reread these books. Um, Lori's book was called I Got This, and... I don't know, I just feel like it really only scratches the surface of their stories, especially Lori's, knowing everything that we know now about Maggie and what it was like in the gym for her leading up to the Olympics. She could definitely write a book now if she wanted to with a lot more details. I just felt like the book kind of moved really quickly through the different phases of her life. It was kind of like from one meet to the next. Like, I went to this meet and this is how I did. Then I went to this meet and this is how I did. There wasn't a whole lot of substance to the book. But I do think it's inspiring to young kids that, you know, want to be like Lori or Gabby someday. And, you know, they want to follow in their footsteps. And I think that's kind of the target range for those books anyways. They're more geared towards children Not so much, like, a novel for adults. Yeah, it's not meant to be, like, a tell-all book. Mm -hmm. Simone Biles also wrote a book after the Olympics called Courage Disorder. Courage? (laughs) Courage Disorder. There's my quarantine brain not being able to talk. Anyways, Simone's book, I feel like, is a little bit better, so I would give this one maybe a 3 out of 5. She talks a lot about her upbringing and being in foster care, which... 
is unique to Simone, I feel like. It's not something that a lot of gymnasts have the experience with. And I think that that, in particular, can be comforting for young girls out there that are in a similar place as Simone was. Right. It kind of gives them maybe hope or some inspiration if they are going through a similar thing. And, you know, they're also in gymnastics and maybe they want to follow in Simone's footsteps. I feel like that's relatable. Yeah, for so, sure. So I really appreciated that about her book. And she also talks a lot about her struggles and failures as she was coming up through the sport at a young age. So she talks about her struggle of getting skills on bars, not making the national team, not being invited to camps, which is something that we're not typically used to hearing about when it comes to Simone. Usually it's all about how awesome she is and how she always wins, which, you know, it's the facts, but (laughs) we don't really hear about the other side and her struggles in the sport. And she also talks about a lot of her personal struggles as well. So being diagnosed with ADD and having to make difficult decisions like going pro or being homeschooled and giving up that normal high school experience. So I appreciated that about her book. It was a little bit more personal. It seemed to have a little bit more depth to it. Yes. The one thing, however, that most of these post-Olympic books have in common is it appears that there's a ghostwriter that writes them, which I understand that, you know, they don't necessarily have the time to sit down and write a very in-depth book about their lives, at least at that point in their life. But there's just little things about the books that gymnastics fans like us catch on to. For example, in Lori's, like I said, I'm reading it right now, actually. And I noticed that she said her first level 10 event was the Secret U.S. Classic. And it's like... That's an elite meet. Right, we all know that that's an elite meet. And Simone's book had a couple errors and stuff as well. Like, she said that Aliyah Mustafana tied for the Anivenbar world title with Madison Koshin in 2015. But Aliyah wasn't even at Worlds in 2015. (laughs) Yeah. I think she met Victoria Kamova, and that was a four-way tie, so there was other girls in the mix. It wasn't just Maddie Koshin and one other person. So things like that, it's like some simple fact-checking would have been nice. Um, and kind of gives it away that, like, there's someone else writing a book that doesn't know anything about the sport. Right. And another thing, too, I think it's the very first page of Simone's book. Just some awkward wording. It says, I was waiting to see if I made the USA Gymnastics Women's Artistic Junior Team. And you're like, Simone would not talk like that. Right, like, that's a dead giveaway right there that it's not Simone writing the book, because why would she ever call it that? What is the Women's Artistic Junior Team? I mean, like, I guess it is that, but it's like, that sounds really awkward. Yeah. It's like, you know, Simone wouldn't say it like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But overall, I mean, for a book that was quickly written after the Olympics, they're definitely not bad books, just not maybe at the top of the list of best gymnastics books, so... You can definitely read it, but it's not something that you're going to go back to time and time again. Yeah. Don't expect a lot from them, I guess is what we're trying to say here. Speaking of post-Olympic books, Allie Raisman actually wrote a book shortly after the 2016 Rio Olympics, and her book is called Fierce, which I personally love because, one, she was a member of the Fierce Five, so it's very fitting, but I also feel like fierce is a really good word to describe Allie. Yeah, I agree. And her book is one of our favorites, so we actually rated it a four out of five, and for a book that was written in a pretty short amount of time. It it offers a lot of details and this was the first time that she really opened up about her experience with Larry Nassar. She had a whole chapter dedicated to that. She of course mentions how she progressed in the sport. She talks a lot about how 
things started for her in the gym and how she always felt like she wasn't necessarily the best athlete in the gym. She really had to work hard to improve and to get to where she is today. Yeah. Well, and even her just being an elite gymnast, how she was always placing fourth, whether it be like at Worlds or at the Olympics, she was always like just on the brink of getting a medal, but she never, or hardly ever, I should say, at a big event, mm-hmm. would get there. So kind of her journey towards some of the goals that she received at the Olympics. Yeah, and her and Rio finishing with that silver medal performance in the all-around behind Simone. But finally getting her all-around medal, yeah. Very sweet story. Love love Ellie and her story. I know. <laughs> she also mentions Steve Penny and the whole investigation, if you want to call it that, that was being done by USA Gymnastics. And it was interesting to hear her side of the story and how things were being handled in regards to Larry Nasser. As a current competing athlete in contention, not even in contention, that's stupid to say. She was very much, unless she got injured, going to be on that, you know, 2016 Olympic team. Yeah. So to hear how things were handled, you know, from her perspective, I thought that was really interesting. The things that USA Gymnastics was doing to keep it under wraps, you yeah. know, of course, heading into an Olympic year. Steve Penny and USA Gymnastics want to keep things positive and they want this focus to be on how USA is going to win gold and blah, blah, blah. Not the scandal that's about to blow up after the Olympics. Yeah, and they were definitely trying to keep it under wraps and she mentions that in her book. You know, something else that she talked about that I kind of liked was she was very open about the process of going pro or making that decision to go pro, I should say, because she was actually committed to the University of Florida and I think that was in about 2010, 2011, when she made the choice to go pro. Mm-hmm. And she kind of, like, spilled the tea a little bit. She didn't say what coach, but there was apparently a coach at Florida that had, you know, given her some backlash. He made some comment about how she's going to injure herself on the two and a half on ball, and she'd be better off coming to college. Something along those lines. Yeah. Which I was like, ooh, Kermit sipping the tea, because... <laughs> You know, that's the kind of details you want from a book, though. Yeah. I want to know the kind of crap that you dealt with. Right. And she also mentioned, I think it was 2010 Worlds, where after the competition, she had a slice of pizza and somebody at USA Gymnastics was shaming her for what she was eating. Like the Florida story, she didn't say who, but definitely was spilling some tea on some of the crappy people in the sport. Yeah. And I also want to mention that her book is pretty big in size. It's over 350 pages, so that's a pretty girthy size yeah. book. <laughs> I hate that word, and I really hate that you just used it. <laughs> but it is a big book, though. Mm-hmm. And especially, like we mentioned, for being a post-Olympic book. Um, lots of detail, and yeah, I really enjoyed her book, and I think that if you guys haven't read it, you definitely should. Another book that I wanted to talk about is Rachel Zinn Hollander's book. It's called What is a Girl Worth? And I love that title because I think that's something that I really remembered from Rachel's victim impact statement. And I think it's really encompassing of not only what she went through, but all of these women who were abused by Larry Nassar. I think that's a a really good question to ask. That's a question. She repeated it several times when she was reading her statement. I think she was really trying to drill it into the mind of the judge and everybody who was involved in the scandal and helped to cover it up. Yeah. You know, that question of what is a little girl worth? Yeah. So I think that, well, first of all, I should say that I rated this book five out of five because I loved it. I think this is a really hard topic to talk about. And Rachel did so, so easily. I don't want to say easily. I I doubt it was easy for her, but it was so eloquently and well worded. Yeah. She did a really good job explaining her story and 
um, I guess her life growing up, she was not an Olympian. And we hear all the time about the the big name elites in the media. But, you know, there are a lot of women, such as Rachel, who were just as affected by this, who may not be as well known. And she's well known now because she was, you know, one of the, the very first person to speak out against Larry Nassar. Not one of the, the very first. In a public manner. Yes. Um... So, yeah, I mean, it talks about her life growing up. She shares how and when she found out that she was abused, kind of when she had that realization. And it also sheds light on why so many survivors of abuse stay silent. Um, She really takes you through the mind of not not only a young woman, because she was young when this happened, but also through to her adulthood and sort of the revelations that she's had and the inner turmoil of going back and forth with... You know, he's an Olympic doctor. He does this to everyone. If it was Ron, he would have been stopped by now. To also having thoughts of, you know, this makes me uncomfortable. Why is he touching me there? I'm here for, you know, such and such injury and he's touching my private parts. How does this make sense? Right, those, my arm is nowhere near my vagina. Right. And she had those realizations as she got older. And it's interesting because she talks about in the book that... She actually told the owner of a gym that she was coaching at at the time, this is before, obviously, the scandal broke, that she she was sexually assaulted by Larry Nasser. She literally came out and said that. she At that time, she knew that's what happened to her. So she told this coach, and they basically said that no one had filed a complaint previously, and, you know, he had a good reputation with the gym, and so there was nothing they could do about it, and... You know, that she should stop talking about And there it. was an athlete at the gym that was being recommended to go see Larry, and Rachel felt compelled to say something. Yeah, she, she was almost, freaking out. She almost felt responsible. Not responsible, but she felt like... She knew something that needed to be shared, and she trusted this coach, and... She felt a need to protect this young girl from going through what she experienced that, you know, she had realized now was wrong. And so, basically, they, the girl ended up going to see Larry and asked her anyways. Even though Rachel filed that complaint, they spent a couple days, you know, investigating it with air quotes, and Rachel came back to follow up, and they're like, oh, you know, there's nothing we can do about it, and this girl already went and seen him anyways. Mm. Yeah, that leaves me with a very, like, sick feeling, but overall, I think that Rachel's words are powerful, and she's so well-spoken. I mean, we knew that from listening to her in court, and really just... I don't want to say being the face of the scandal, but she has done a lot advocating for a lot of the women who were afraid to speak up or didn't know how to speak up or couldn't put what they were feeling into words. Yeah, she kind of led the charge. For sure. And I think this book is a very good overview of everything that happened from an athlete's perspective. Another athlete that was a survivor of Larry Nassar's abuse was Rachel Haynes, and she was a gymnast that trained at Getter's Twisters with John Getter, and her book is titled Abuse, and I feel like we have a lot of gymnastics books about abuse, which is maybe telling Yeah, of, why is that? It's I think it's telling of how gymnastics is behind the scenes. Yeah, and everything sort of ties back to abuse. <laughs> yeah, it's a little sad. But Rachel's book, we rate it as a three out of five. I do appreciate her bravery in telling her story. I think that it definitely, I mean, for any of these survivors, it's not easy to talk about their experience. And she indicated that in her book as well. There was a lot of anxiety and, you know, fear of speaking out. And for her to do so in a 
public way in the form of a book that lasts, you know, forever. Um, very, very brave of her. So I do appreciate that. I will say that the book was a little bit too pro John Goddard for my liking. Given all of the horrible things that we've heard from a lot of his other athletes, it felt like she was really trying to paint him in a positive light and was almost trying to put the blame on certain athletes in the gym for why John was acting the way that he did towards them, as if their actions warranted John's inappropriate actions. Yeah. I didn't really like that. It kind of felt like victim shaming. Yeah. Which is interesting coming from, you know, somebody who was a victim of abuse, but... I understand that everyone has different experiences, and she may have had a good experience with John, and that's fine, but a lot of girls have not had good experiences with him, and it's been pretty well known and documented, and I just didn't like that she was making excuses for John. And trying to discredit the other athletes. Yeah, and it is possible that she's still trying to, you know, process her own emotions in regards to the situation, and there might be a lot to the whole situation that she doesn't even realize yet. Maybe she'll realize things as time goes on that, you know, has... Yeah, I know. I truly think that's a good point. It's a process for some of these girls, and maybe she could have waited a little bit longer to actually publish a book about the topic. That's my fear. maybe she'll realize things more as time goes on. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say, because she knows she maybe... She really did have a good relationship with John, but I would hate to see her write a book praising John and then one day realize that... You know, he was a little bit abusive, even if it's not to her, but just to other her teammates. And I also thought it was interesting. She talks in her book a lot about her injuries. She had some severe back injuries to the point that, you know, doctors were surprised when she saw a doctor other than Larry after the whole, you know, scandal happened. She went to an actual real doctor and they were surprised that she even walked into the room. Because that's how bad her back was. And I also, it it kind of ties into the abuse and John because she doesn't seem to think anything is odd with the fact that she was training and competing on her back and yeah. John was letting her. But like, she doesn't seem to make that correlation. Yeah. It was all blaming it on Larry, which he should be blamed because he was the supposed doctor. But I guess what I'm trying to say is that there's it's possible that she's still processing a lot of this. Yeah. And... You know, she did put it all out there in a book, so... And like I said, I do appreciate her sharing her story. I know it's not easy. Um, about the book, I guess, real quickly, I felt like each chapter was just kind of a short diary entry about key moments in her life. Um, and there wasn't really a whole lot about her background or who she is as a person. It's pretty straightforward and to the point. Yeah. Uh, she talks a lot about, like I said, her injuries, Larry... And then training with John. She talks a little bit about the recruitment process and how she ended up at Minnesota. Uh, another thing I was going to say, too, about the book. Not that this is really a big deal, but I felt like the font was a little bit small. Okay. Maybe a little, yeah. bu- maybe a little bit hard to read. Um, so basically what you're telling the people is they need to have their glasses when they go to read this? Yes. Glasses and then maybe a light. <laughs> <laughs> it's not too bad. It's definitely readable, but it's just something that I notice comparing it to other books. Is just the font's a little bit small, and then it's kind of, like, formatted on the page weird. It's, like, in the center of the page, and there's all this space around it. Like, it could have been blown up a little bit more. Yeah. Just, uh, just a thought. So the last book that we want to talk about today is one that we've actually mentioned on the show before, and that is The Girls by Abigail Pesta, 
We love this book. It's one of our favorite gymnastics books of all time. And I feel like that's kind of sad to say, given the topic of the book and what it's about. But I think Abigail does such a wonderful job of, you know, getting together the facts and really bringing light to how Larry Nassar was able to do what he did over the decades that he did it. Yeah. And this book is so important because it shares the stories of 25 of the girls that were abused by Larry Nassar. And as we know, there's hundreds of girls that were abused by him. And 25 of them, their stories are in this book. And for some of them, this is the first time that their stories have been told publicly. So this is really big for them. Yeah, I think that a lot of the Olympians and the big name elites, they're the girls who we hear from the most. They're kind of the the face of the scandal and we hear from them. And so it was nice that Abigail put the work in to talk to some girls who may not be mm-hmm. incredibly well known. And that has to be like kind of therapeutic for them too, I think, too talk to somebody about their story and have it be out there and have it be told their way because then they're also helping so many other girls to find their voice and to find the courage to speak out about abuse that they might be suffering from so i think it's it's really cool i want to say that these girls were you know able to do this and i think it turned out really well um along with their stories we obviously heard some of the details of people like john getter who was one of the biggest enablers of larry nassar And we've mentioned this particular story on the show before, but there was an instance with one of his athletes. This was in the 80s, I believe. Yeah, it was. She was from Great Lakes back when he was at Great Lakes. And John basically groomed her from a young age into a sexual relationship with him. And I don't hear people talking about that. Nope. And, you know, yeah, we said that a lot of these girls are speaking for the first time and we're hearing stories like this for the first time ever in this book so it definitely brings it sheds light on a different side Mm -hmm. um i mean we know we know how john getter is we know that he was an abusive coach but yeah you definitely see a different side of him in this book and i also want to say that i think abigail did a great job of reporting and you know she not only spoke to 25 of the girls but she also spoke to some of the other people that were involved in the case so we all know and love judge aculina and there were some interviews with lawyers, like Larry Nassar's lawyers and stuff as well. So it's a really great collective piece on the Larry Nassar scandal. So it's really great. We think you guys should check it out. And Did we say the rating in the beginning? Yeah, we rated a 5 out of 5. Okay, I feel like we didn't say it, but if not, then here we are again. 5 out of 5. Would de- recommend. Definitely a 5 out of 5. We're so excited to have Abigail Pesta here on the show with us today and to hear a little bit more about how this book came about and some of the work that went into it. And we really hope you guys enjoy the interview. So we just got done reviewing some of the different gymnastics books that are out there on the market. And your book, The Girls, is actually one of our favorites. It's a very thorough account of what happened. So why don't you start by telling us how the idea to write the book came about? Well, thank you so much for for uh, letting people know about this book. Um, the way it came about was pretty soon after the Nasser scandal hit the news, I talked to a gymnast named Lindsay Lemke. She was a gymnast at Michigan State, and um, she had gone to Nasser as a child for years. And I sat down with her and her mom, and you know they were still trying to wrap their heads around what had happened because he was their trusted doctor, their friend, their confidant, and they realized that he had been abusing Lindsay while pretending to treat her when she was a kid for years, and it would have been hundreds of times. And 
you know, they were just trying to come to grips with it. And they said something that really, it just really moved me because they said, you know, a lot of people were blaming them, like people, you know, some of their friends, acquaintances, people they knew, they'd see these comments on Facebook about why didn't the parents know? Why didn't the kids tell? How could this have happened? How could they be so clueless? And I just thought, oh my God, you know, here's this family dealing with this absolute travesty and they're getting blamed for it. And I thought, well, let's help people understand how this happened and then hopefully we can help prevent it from happening again. So that's how the idea got started. And I was curious, did you have any like previous involvement with the sport? Have you been a fan for a long time or what's your background with gymnastics? Well, I did gymnastics as a kid at a local girls club in Southern Indiana. Um, So, you know, what was really interesting to me too was that I talked to so many gymnasts who had gone to these hardcore clubs, you know, where they just lost their sense of self. You know, there was their sense of boundaries, you know, they were just belittled, berated, um, physically, mentally, sexually abused. And it was so different from what I had experienced because I was in a small town with a girls club where it was the opposite of that. You know, it was just friendly, fun. Um, And I thought that's how the sport should be. I loved it as as a kid. And I also understood how you could catch the gymnastics bug. I would have kept going if I could, you know, we just didn't, it was a little small town and our school didn't have a gymnastics team and there weren't any, you know, clubs around us. So it was other than the girls club. So once you kind of <laughs> graduated from those classes, you were done, you know, so I moved on to other sports, but it did help me, you know, understand just, you know, being a kid and falling in love with the sport and wanting to keep learning and growing and doing, you know, more and more complicated, challenging um, feats. You know, I get that because I had that urge too. It's just that we didn't have that kind of, you know, intensive training <laughs> where I grew up. Um, but it was also very eye-opening to hear what that training is like for, for kids. These were kids who, you know, at this local gym in Michigan where Nasser worked for volunteer for almost 30 years, you know, they didn't necessarily want to be Olympic athletes. They thought maybe they would get a college scholarship and they were just getting completely brutalized. Yeah. And I was wondering, what was the process of writing the book like? Because obviously there's a lot that goes into it. You did a lot of interviews. I'm sure there was a lot of gathering information and then the process of actually writing the book. So walk me through the timeline of actually producing the book and how long it took you. Well, um, Yes, I spoke to 25 survivors of of Nasser's abuse from the very first known survivor to the very last. And, you know, the very first known survivor first met him back in the late 1980s and the very last saw him in 2016. So that just shows the span, you know, the first known survivor is in her mid-40s. The last is a teenager, a senior in high school. So it just shows, you know, the range, the span of his abuse. And I, you know, I sat down with people and just heard their stories. The very first known survivor had never told her story publicly before. And it it was groundbreaking. It was so full of insight because she was there from the very, very beginning from when Nasser first walked in the door of that gym in Michigan. And she described how Nasser and how the coach at that gym, John Geddert, who went on to become 
an Olympic coach alongside Nasser as the Olympic doctor, how she saw their friendship and relationship beginning. And, you know, she described how she saw Nasser figure out that the way to stay in Gettert's good graces was to allow the girls to keep training while they were injured. And, and the girls learned to hide their injuries. They didn't want to get in trouble for being injured. And, you know, so she saw the, the, this developing right from the beginning. And she just told, yeah, you know, a very insightful tale. And it was the very first time she told it. So it, you know, and she was the first interview I had done for the book. So it was very insightful. Um, and from there, I just kept talking to people and they would recommend that I talk to someone else. And everyone had, it was very interesting. Everyone had a different experience to share. And um, one thing they all had in common though, was that they all wanted to tell their stories to help other families avoid this kind of travesty. You know, they felt like they could help people understand how to spot the signs of a predator and how to empower women and girls because a lot of them were kids and they didn't realize they were being abused. He was the Olympic doctor. So of course they trusted him. They were kids and he was the doctor. But then some did recognize that they were being abused and they did tell over the decades, starting back in the nineties, they told, you know, coaches, counselors, even the police, and they just got dismissed and disbelieved. No one listened to the girls. Everyone just believed the doctor. So there were so many important lessons from all of them. So I, you know, I just talked to people. And then when I was ready to write their stories, um, I sent them all their stories before we published the book because they're so deeply personal. And I just wanted to be sure that everyone felt okay with what we were saying. And, you know, they did. It was, I was so impressed because these are hard stories to tell. It takes a lot of courage to put yourself out there um, in such a public way. You know, people don't think about that. Like anytime you, you tell a personal story like that, it's online, you know, someone, your future employer Googles you and knows something about you. Someone you're going on a date with Googles you and knows something about you before you even meet them. So it takes a lot of courage. Um, yeah. And, you know, and they all said, you know what? Yes. I'm ready to go. Let's do it. So um, that was a long answer to your question. Sorry. But, um, no, it's good. It was, yeah, it was a really, it was just a really moving process meeting all these women. Mm-hmm. Do you have a rough idea of how long it took you to actually, you know, get the book out there? Oh, well, that was, you know, that was really challenging because I didn't have a lot of time. Um, you know, I had... I guess it was about eight months in the end to do it. And as a writer, that's hard because you, you want to, you know, you always want to finesse, finesse, finesse. And um, in this case, you know, the publisher and I totally understand wanted to have the book out while people, you know, would read and be interested in and learn from this story while it was in the news. And that is so important because there was an opportunity here to help people understand this and to help avoid this kind of debacle in the future. And the opportunity was now because the story was in the news. And so they wanted to get it out quickly. So, um, <laughs> you know, as a writer, that's challenging. But for me, the most important thing was that the women felt good about what was in the book. And so I just made sure that I built in time to make sure that they read their stories and they felt comfortable with them. And they did. And um, you know, so I, I just felt really honored and proud to help 
to help them get their stories out to the world because a lot of them said they did not feel heard they weren't necessarily the famous olympic gymnasts and they felt like you know the media wasn't didn't care about them wasn't listening to them and they had so much insight because they had grown up with Nasser. They had spent their childhood, their lives with him through the decades at this gym in Michigan. So, mm-hmm. you know, they had a lot of really important uh, insight to share. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And from a journalistic perspective, how do you go about interviewing someone on such a sensitive and really traumatizing topic? I mean, you really got these girls to open up to you and trust you to tell their story. Yeah, you know, I always I always look at it as a conversation, you know, not an interview. It's to me it's a conversation and um and that's what it was. Some of these, you know, I, some of these conversations went on for days, weeks, months. The very first known survivor, the one who told her story for the first time, Sarah, she you know, we talked for months because her memories were coming back during this time. She had buried like a lot of these women who were abused as kids. She had just buried the trauma and so it came back for her when she saw all the women standing up in court it all came flooding back just these terrible memories and um you know so that was a her journey was evolving you know as as i was writing the book her memories were coming back and um so you know again it's just it's a conversation and i you know i think um I think a lot of reporters <laughs> approach interviews as here are my, you know, here's my list of questions and they get the answers and they move on. And this is, this is never how I've looked at it. I've always looked at it as, well, let's see, let's talk about this and let's see where the conversation goes. And, you know, it's, it's such a personal topic. It's such a personal experience. I think that's, it has to be that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and also, you know, I let everyone know that they would see their stories. So they didn't have to worry, were they going to be misrepresented or was something going to be misconstrued or, you know, was there going to be something they were uncomfortable with? And again, um, you, I could do that for a book, you know, for a magazine or a newspaper article. You can't, you know, you don't, the editors, you're not allowed to send the story <laughs> to the subject. That's just a whole different world. But right. for the, but for the book. Uh, I mean, you can certainly fact check it and, you know, check the facts with the subject, but with the book, I could, I could make it more personal. And I, I just felt that was absolutely necessary. If, if people were going to trust me with their stories, it just meant everything to me. And that, you know, I, they just, I just had to make sure they felt good about it. Mm -hmm. And you touched on this briefly, but how did you go about deciding what girls you talked to? Because like you said, a lot of them hadn't really spoken publicly before. or They had never really shared their story. So how did you go about selecting the girls that you were going to include in the book? Well, I liked the idea of talking to people who had not been, you know, they weren't the famous Olympic gymnasts who had gotten more attention because, uh, you know, like I said, they had so much insight that, that was not getting out there. These stories weren't getting told because um, they just felt unheard. And also some of the women didn't even realize they had been abused, you know, like the first known survivor until they saw the women stand up in court. So they had stories to tell too. And, you know, for instance, that first known survivor, she said her coach witnessed the abuse back in the 80s that was Getter and did nothing. Well, actually, she said he mocked her. You know, she said, 
he mocked her body and her breast size instead of, in fact, reporting Nasser. And, um, you know, through the years, that, that, that was a theme of, you know, the, the kids who figured out something was happening and telling and no one listening. Um, but I guess that my point is I wanted to talk to people who hadn't been heard and um, because I felt like there was such profound insight in their stories that people weren't getting and that really would help people understand how this happened. And it, it really did help people. I, I've heard that so many times because this doctor, it was an evolution. He, you know, he honed his skills over the decades, um, preying on these kids, their families, their parents, befriending the parents, making, you know, one of his tactics, of course, was to give kids gifts and make them feel special. He would come back from the Olympics and give them gifts, um, you know, or he would tell the parents, we won't bill your health insurer because I see the potential in your child. And He had all these tactics for um, grooming the kids and their families. And that's what these women unveiled. And that's what I wanted to show because um, they knew him. They grew up with him. It was a small, you know, tight-knit small community in Michigan where he, you know, did the vast majority of his praying. And um, that's what I wanted people to understand. Mm-hmm. Was there a particular story that kind of shocked or surprised you? You know, they were, it was so interesting to me. All the stories each had something unique and individual, the experiences. One thing I thought was so interesting was the first known survivor. She said, you know, in her 40s, as she's coming to grips with what happened to her as a child with this coach and this doctor, um, she still blames herself for getting injured because that was drilled into her head as a young gymnast that injuries were your fault. It meant you weren't concentrating. It meant you weren't focusing. So if you were injured, it was your fault. And so that's why the kids learned to hide their injuries. And she said, you know, she remembered this moment when she fell from a balance beam. She ended up breaking her sternum. But there was an instant in the air when she was falling and she realized she could, if she adjusted herself, she might land better. But she didn't bother because she was going to land in a big pit of foam blocks and she thought she would be fine. She was a kid. She was malnourished, hot, exhausted, working out in a gym with no air conditioning, totally stressed out, you know, because of her hard-driving coach. In that instant, she didn't adjust herself to land better, and she landed badly, and she broke her sternum. And that's when the coach, Gettert, sent her to see Nasser. And so looking back, she still blames herself for not you know, she blames herself for getting injured. And I thought that's so telling. It just goes to show when you have kids and they're programmed, you know, from such a young age by these adults, they want to please these adults around them. They want to please the coach, the doctor. Um, Even in her forties, she's trying to rewire her thinking on that. And, you know, I think that says so much. It's such an important lesson for for parents too, when they, you know, in enroll their kids in these sports to, you know, think about who you're trusting with your kids and, you know, just really be involved and, and pay attention because what, it, what's getting drilled into their heads, <laughs> you know? Right. I was curious, what are your thoughts on the whole aftermath of the Nasser scandal and how things have been dealt with in terms of the people that enabled him? So like former MSU president, Luana Simon, 
just recently we found out she's walking away free from this. Mm-hmm. John Getter, he's still being investigated. And he hasn't faced any charges yet. Do you feel like justice is being served for these girls? Well, so many of the gymnasts have told me they do not feel that that's happening. And also, I wanted to point out, too, that a lot of the um, survivors were other, you know, they weren't all gymnasts. Some were dancers, cheerleaders, volleyball players, runners. You know, Nasser got his hands on kids across the community um, in Lansing, Michigan. And, um, but yeah, many of them have told me that, while there has been some progress, there's just such a long way to go. The The fact that Luanna Simon, the Michigan state president, was just, yeah, the charges were dropped against her. She had been charged with lying to police about what she knew about the allegations against Nasser at Michigan State. You know, that was that was a devastating blow. Um, get her. So many of the gymnasts and their families, dozens told me stories of his, you know, verbal, physical, mental abuse. And Sarah Teristi, the first known survivor, said he witnessed the abuse. And he's been under investigation now for, I guess, heading up on a couple years. So, but yet no charges. So, you know, they really want to see, they really want to see justice served. And, you know, from what the gymnasts are telling me, from what all the survivors are telling me, they just feel like there's a very long way to go. Um, Michigan State had the settlement, but USA Gymnastics, you know, offered a settlement that they just said was insulting. Um, So, yeah, there's a long way to go. Yeah, the whole process, I feel like, has been really drug out. It's kind of frustrating from, like, an outsider perspective to see, like, how long it's been drug out and these girls are having to, you know, keep living with this as they're trying to move on. But it's like it keeps getting brought back up because, you know, there's still investigations being done and, you know, it's, it's never ending. It seems like. Right. Exactly. I mean, it's an ongoing, that's the thing that also these women really help people understand, I think, is that it's, it's an ongoing trauma. You know, it doesn't just go away. You know, several of them told me that people would say to them, well, you got this settlement from Michigan state, so it's over now. Right. And Nasser's in jail. And they were like, Oh my gosh, you have no idea. You know, just the, the, psychological trauma, the aftershocks from something like this, you know, it's, it's an ongoing journey. You know, there was a young woman in the book, Grace French, a dancer who, um, she was having so many nightmares about Nasser. She couldn't sleep. She was in college. She couldn't stay awake during the day, knowing the nightmares were coming at night. And, you know, she described how he would emerge from the darkness and there would be this blurring of reality. Like, was he there in the room? And, I get very emotional when I think about it. And she said she got a a dog. She got a support dog and she's trained, started training the dog to wake her up from nightmares. And I thought, how amazing, you know, that her story is, again, it's like, it's that power of the human spirit, you know, which all of these women showed like this person betrayed them on such a profound level and all of his enablers did as well. And yet here they are, you know, they're finding ways to move forward. They're telling their stories to help other people to stop this in the future. That, you know, that's the really beautiful, powerful thing about these these stories. And that's why I hope people read them because they're just an inspiration. Ultimately, ultimately it's about coming together, grabbing back the power from this predator and from his enablers and sharing that power with others. Yeah, I think that your book did such a good job of 
not only highlighting the whole master scandal, but like you said, the enablers, mm-hmm. you know, John Gutter, huge enabler. And so many of these girls talked about that in your book. So I wanted to thank you for all the work you did with this book, because it really brought to light a lot of the problems within USA Gymnastics and how things have been handled. So thank you for your well, work. Well, thank you so much. There was another thing I wanted to point out too, which was, um, you know, another thing for families to watch for, there was another woman who told her story for the first time, Shelby Root, and she said that um, Gettert had groomed her when she was a teenager for a sexual relationship starting when she was 18. Now she had left the gym and she was of legal age, but she was his, she had, he had been her coach and her mentor. And, you know, that goes against the the guidelines of safe sport, what he did. And it, it devastated her. It ended, it ended up affecting her relationships for life because she trusted her coach. She was taught to obey her coach. And then, you know, she thought he loved her and wanted to marry her. And he initiated a sexual relationship with her. And then ultimately she said, discarded her. And, um, it went on to affect her relationships for the rest of her life. And she told her story because she felt like this can so easily happen (laughs) to teenagers in that environment when they trust and obey and just view the coach as the God. And again, it's something so important for families to watch for because we, yeah, we do tend to trust (laughs) coaches and doctors and, you know, people in positions of power. And, you know, again, that's, that's the power of these stories because it reminds us all to think about who we're trusting. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, where can our listeners get a copy of your book? Where is it sold at? Oh, thanks so much. It's on Amazon. Um, and it's on all the, you know, Barnes and Noble, all the major uh, online retailers. It's also in bookstores. Of course, <laughs> bookstores are closed amid the coronavirus. Um, right. But, yeah, you can find it at all the major retailers online. Um, the publisher is Seal Press. You can go to the Seal Press website and see a list of the online retailers where you can get it as well. But thank you so much for asking and thank you for spreading the word. Yeah. Well, I think that this is the perfect time too with like so many people being at home mm-hmm. and everyone has time to read. We've been doing a lot of reading. So I'm like, this is the perfect time to like spread some awareness for your book because I feel like more people need to pay attention to this. And, you know, your book has so much good information and brings so much awareness to the problem. So yeah, we really wanted to get the word out. Well, I really appreciate it. And, and I know the women in the book too, because um, that's why they told their stories. They want to stop this from happening again. They want to empower women and girls and, um, just, you know, that you're helping spread the word is what helps change the world. (laughs) So I appreciate that. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to today's episode. We hope you enjoyed the book review as well as the interview with Abigail. And we just wanted to give another quick thank you to Abigail for taking the time to join us today and for sharing more about her book with our listeners. We actually want to do another book review sometime within the next few weeks because we have so many books that we didn't get to touch on today. We were recording this and we realized that 
we were already pretty much at the one hour mark and we literally had like 12 more books that we wanted to talk about. We literally have a library full of gymnastics books. Yeah. So if there's anything in particular that you guys want to know more about, you can reach out to us on our social media. We have an Instagram and a Twitter. It's at allthingsgympod. So just let us know what you want to know more about and we'll be happy to share our thoughts with you. I don't know about you guys, but we're still in quarantine here in Michigan and you know, this that is a great time to read some books. So maybe check out yeah. some of the books that we mentioned today. Let us know what you think, you know, on social media as well. And we hope you guys have a great Memorial Day and the rest of the week to come. We hope you're staying safe, happy, healthy, all that good stuff. And we'll talk to you guys next Monday. Bye. Bye.